Hey guys, well, just wanted to let you know real quick, we had a little bit of audio issues with our guest, so there's going to be some distracting audio artifacts throughout this show. We apologize for the distractions. You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everyone. Happy summer. It's hot. David Hall. I have AC. You'll probably hear my fan, Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, everyone. And I was going to ask, is it uh, unseasonably cool where you guys are? This is where I am. Cool. Yeah, it, it's like 70s here, maybe 80s. I don't get it. Did you just ask somebody from Canada if it's unseasonably cool somewhere? You don't count. Hey, Greg, but, you count, but you do count. <laughs> What's up, guys? Hey, welcome. Happy anniversary, Greg. Thank you. And also joining us, special guest Lawrence from Sim Coaches. Microphone activated. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for coming. On the show this week, we see how the sim racing community has helped a young, upcoming real-world driver. We will debate if iRacing needs to make an adjustment to one of the most frustrating black flag penalties and wish iRacing a happy landmark anniversary. That's right, guys. And you remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device as you listen to the show and see for yourself. All these topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. So log on and we'll see you then. It's been a long time. We've been trying to get you on. You've been a sponsor of this show, and you've been a friend of the podcast for quite some time. Uh, all starting with David when he got your uh, hydraulic pedals, and that's really your your baby, isn't it? Um, the hydraulic pedals. Microphone activated. Yeah, those hydraulic pedals. Uh, they were the first product that we came out with, and they were super interesting, actually, because um, man, we have a few versions now, actually, at this point. Um, this is like version, I don't know, 10. But our very first set of pedals actually were, were not very good. Uh, I remember our, the, the throttle pedal was load cell. It's a completely different sensor. There were, uh, it had too much adjustment. We had to make a whole bunch of different changes to it. But uh, so today, seeing all the evolution and seeing kind of where they're at, uh, it's really exciting. It's really cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you get and into you get this. Into this uh, uh, where you're where selling, you're different, selling products different products like that, like that but, you're, but also you're also putting together, putting together packages, the turnkey stuff, right? Microphone activated. Yeah, that's right. And I'll try to keep on muting my mic because I, I don't actually understand which one is pulling in the audio. So uh, I apologize for that. But um, yeah, we're doing all the full turnkey packages now. That's actually becoming one of the more popular things that uh, we sell. We're putting a lot of focus into them. Uh, and yeah. Basically, if somebody is interested in a full turnkey package, what it is, it's we include everything at all. Uh, the PC, the pedals, the steering wheel, the, the base, uh, extra steering wheels, the screens, the thing fully delivered to your house. And then we actually come to your house, uh, set the thing up, 
uh, and even give you training on how to use it. Um, so by the time you know that this thing is in your home, you actually feel really comfortable with, with what you have. So that's it's you know a really cool product and uh, a really cool offering that we actually got into. And honestly, I wasn't very sure how popular it was going to be um, because transparently our, our, our products, like the stuff that we put on our simulators, it's not cheap for us to manufacture that stuff. Um, it's, you know, we do everything American made. We focus on uh, manufacturing here in America. Uh, we touch everything, we assemble everything. Uh, so it's not cheap in the beginning as it is in order for us to do these things. And then, so for us to assemble full cockpit with all of our equipment, again, it's, it's, uh, it's not cheap. So we have to make sure that we're doing things at just a higher level. We're giving our, our, uh, you know, our drivers things that just other brands aren't doing and, uh, you know, making sure that we just touch everything is, is the way that we do that. So. All right. Very good. Yeah. I, we actually have a, one of your videos later in the show where we talk about one of those turnkey rigs you're offering and what's included and all that. So we'll look at that in detail. You know, what really intrigues me, Lawrence, lately are those swing out monitors mounts for the triples. For, for one, they're just beautiful. I mean, that bright, shiny metal really draws me in, you know, uh, but but the idea that you can just swing it out of the way and you you know when you want to get in and out that that's really appealing to me. Microphone yeah, activated. Those are actually those are really cool. Uh, we put a lot of effort into those because um, it's we wanted to have screens that on the side view they were still very tight to um, the driver because one big problem that you have when you're sitting in the cockpit is is what is your peripheral vision seeing we always talk about immersion and trying to make things feel as, as realistic as we possibly could but you know there's a um, a lot of cockpits out there that simply just to get in and out of it because there isn't any adjustment the monitors have to be pretty far away from you um, or pretty you know big angle and so because of that your peripheral vision sees everything that's inside of the room and we were aware of that so we wanted to engineer monitor mounts that number one User were integrated into, the, um, into onto the, the cockpit so it was all still nice and clean but number two we wanted to make sure that we can get them nice and close to the driver and when you got in and out you were still able to user do it your channel started recording and the only way that it made sense was actually putting it on a swing arm mount and so we did that with a really uh, a big shoulder bolt and it has just a again kind of what you would figure a swing arm looks like and it opens and closes and lets you get really tight um, so you when you're sitting in the cockpit uh, you are literally only seeing you know track from your 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 vision on the side. Uh, if you do look, you know, at your vertical vision, then that's when you see, you know, above the monitors, but that's where we'll add maybe a fourth one. We haven't gotten there. We don't have the fourth monitor mount, but we're trying to figure out how do we integrate that because being able to have all that information on the top screen is just so valuable. So uh, that's, we need to figure that out. So Lawrence, what's up, man? Yeah, hi, yeah. What's up, dude? So coincidentally, me and a teammate, Justin, were talking about your mounts today. That's uh, when I asked you today if you were selling them, but to be honest, when I went to pick up my pedals and you showed me these monitor mounts, the pedals are, are great. Obviously they're great, but I would say pound for pound, I think the monitor mounts might be, they're incredible. Like when you, when you mount them up, you can almost, you could probably stand on them. I'm 220 pounds and there's no give, no flex to them whatsoever. And I needed that to be able to open up being six foot two and how I have myself in here. I have to be able to open the monitors to get in and out. I went with a fixed seat. I don't have a slider. so. To me, they're they're incredible. And plus, they look look awesome, like Mike was saying. Microphone activated. I appreciate that. Yeah, I was actually really excited because uh, we don't really market the monitor mounts because 
there's a lot of pieces to it. And every single piece of it is all built aluminum from the arms that hold the monitor mounts to the vest amount that goes behind the, the actual monitor itself. It's all billet. So it's a lot of pieces. It's uh, not a cheap kit, especially when you compare it to just what is out there on the market in, that it competes with. Um, and so we didn't actually have a whole lot of them uh, manufactured in the beginning. So we had to hold on to these. Uh, Coming up in, in you know the future, this is actually going to be a product that we will have available for people to actually purchase because it really is awesome. Um, there's not really anything else on the market quite like it that's able to get the screens where they're positioned the way they are. That allows you to swing arm them and open them up in such an easy manner. So yeah, they're really cool. So do you still have the the uh, shifter in the in the works or in the plans? Microphone activated. Yeah, doing a shifter is definitely um, one of some that we want to focus on. Uh, where we're at right now is basically trying to get to a point where we're stable again. Uh, the last couple months were definitely kind of a weird, rocky time for some coaches, and, and trying just to get through that and stay alive was uh, the first focus. Now, what we're trying to do is just get to the point where we're, we're stable. Um, we have the trust of all the drivers again. Uh, where we were, at, we were at before everything kind of started to. to get weird. Um, and that's what we're focusing on. You know, once we get that, we're able to get a designer back in house, uh, then shifter, uh, getting that out is, you know, pretty important because our community made it incredibly clear that if we got a shifter out, that was a very, uh, wanted product. So yeah, we definitely want to get that one out. Yeah. I'm trying to hold out to wait for it. Microphone and, activated. Uh, yeah. I know we talked about a couple of times too, that you would help us te with testing. So I'll hold you up on that. Well, does anybody else have any questions while we're in here? Nice to finally meet you, Lawrence. Microphone yeah, activated. Uh, who was that that said that, actually? Uh, uh, just, just, Justin. Gotcha. Yeah, Justin. It's good to meet you, too, man. Good to, good to hop on here and chat with you guys again. It's always cool, actually, hopping on and chatting with you guys, because you're, you're, this is the only podcast, actually, that we, uh, that we sponsor, that we focus on. So, yeah, it's cool. Funny story. I was outside your warehouse, actually, just two weeks ago. I didn't know I, I was in Vegas and I was talking to the guys in the group and they, and I Googled uh, sim racing places near me and your place popped up and I was like, what? And, but anyways, I was trying to make a date or a time to meet you. And I was there on my wife's business trip and things fell through. And so I went out in the casino, rolled my ankle. I told the story on the last show. Uh, it's still busted up. But anyways, I was like, I was thinking it was a retail store and I was like, Oh, I can at least pop in and see it. Then the Uber driver dropped me off at this random warehouse. <laughs> he was wondering what's going on. Microphone activated. Yeah, actually, uh, you should have texted us because you could, it actually does a lot. We do a lot of walking traffic. We're not actually set up yet for like the public where, um, as much as we want to be, because the location where we're at, we actually want to set up as a sim lounge so people can come in, jump on simulators, rent time, um, and they'll be fully, you know, they're full sim coaches simulator. So even if you wanted to try the pedals, um, it'd be a great spot. You know, a lot of people find themselves in Vegas at some point, um, it's likely. So it's just a cool spot where you can come in and have some fun. So bummer, man, you should have sent me a text because I would be, it is kind of like a warehouse front spot, kind of. Um, so yeah, I would have showed you where it was at. It's bummer to hear about your ankle though. Dude, that that's not fun because you got to walk around a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was all on a whim. I, I apologize. Next time I'll make it more structured where I can come meet you. I just it was I googled something at nine o'clock in the morning and you popped up and I was like, whoa. <laughs> Microphone activated. I'm actually 
I'm really happy to hear that that worked, that you said put something in on Google and we came up. So that's probably the best news uh, of the entire thing. That that You're number, number one, one I awesome. believe. There we go. Well, we better have been because I don't think that there's anybody else in Vegas, but it, it works. So that's cool. If anybody else ever comes into Vegas, and this is just an open invitation to anybody, you can send us a text at 702-246-2295. And that would be a direct text to my cell phone. And anybody's allowed to come down here and have fun. And we always have two simulators. We have at least right now, we have one pro and one light turnkey that's uh, that's running. But we're going to get more um, in here. So anybody's welcome to come in, jump on our simulators, have some fun. Uh, you're all invited. And send me a text. Let me at least know uh, that you're coming down so I can make sure, you know, um, that we that we know that somebody's going to be coming walking in. So, Lawrence, you always like that approach where you have that personal touch with your buyers, um, you know, where they can text you and work with you directly on what whatever it is they're trying to buy from you. Um, that's really needed in the sim industry because when a lot of times in the sim industry you're buying equipment that you can't try you know you can do some research on and watch some youtube videos on but you really don't have anything to go off of you don't have anybody to call there's not a lot of support and so uh you having that personal uh hey i'm going to hold your hand through this that's a nice touch microphone activated I I appreciate actually that you point that out because it's incredibly important to, to us with everything that we do um, that's very personalized. Uh, I, I think I, I know basically every single customer that we have uh, in the Sim Coaches community. At some point, there is a connection with me that happens. And uh, I know when people are, uh, what's up, dude? I know when people are. Um, part of the real sim coaches or i know when people send us emails claiming that they have our stuff and it's totally bogus because i just i've never contacted with you i've never so i i know um what it is because of how personal we are every single thing that leaves the shop has a handwritten note a handwritten letter we call it our love letter in here uh and it's a real handwritten written letter that someone on the team wrote um and and they send it out and that's important that's something that like uh we do with everything and because we don't ever want anybody to think like you're spending a lot of money with us. We, we actually really do care. Uh, we want everyone to feel like, um, you're part of the community with us. We, you're not going to buy something and, and then you just disappear. Um, you send us a message or something, we're going to be here. And, and yeah, we try to show that the best that we, we can. So I appreciate you pointing that out. Okay. And then before we jump into stories, I'd love for you to stay with us through stories. Um, one more question is, what about reselling individual SIM equipment from other manufacturers? I know you're doing the turnkey where you're using, you know, obviously a gear from other people, but are you going to be at a place or entertaining the thought of doing that, just selling boxes off a shelf? Microphone activated. It's interesting. Um, I've put thought into it, um, and I'm not going to say no because things always change. But the thing that I try to always focus on is is at least do using as much of our stuff as we can, because I know uh, the level of quality and the effort and what we stand behind. Um, and the more of that that I can do, the more that I try to do. I don't like selling things that are low quality. That's one thing, one thousand percent, that I hundred I always stay away from. Um, low quality does not fit our world. So the only things that you would ever find um, that would be, be re reselling through us would, is only high quality gear or things that come with uh, a name that has definitely earned a, a, a spot there. 
yeah, you got the the shim labs, you got the the shimmy cubes, you know that kind of stuff, right? Microphone yeah, activated. that's exactly right. The the companies that have uh, that yeah, they come with that recognition that like you're not going to buy it and then it's going to be you know broken really soon. Yeah. I did have one more question. You, you, you in the business side, but do you still get to do some of your own sim racing? Microphone activated. Yeah, actually, I was on it. Uh, we do a lot, uh, a lot more maybe than it seems, uh, because we even have some days just recently where uh, Sean and Austin are just on the simulators all day long, having a blast, and then they're calling me over to do laps with them and and uh, try to beat their laps. And so, yeah, I'm on the simulator a lot more than what I was even, let's say, like six months ago uh, or seven months ago, and. Uh, I'm finding myself on there again a lot, and it's a great break away. So sometimes you forget about that. Yeah. Any progress on the uh, proposed league? Microphone activated. The proposed league on the, any problem? What do you yeah, mean? Yeah. You guys had mentioned in Discord maybe a month or two ago about maybe starting up a league of some kind. Microphone uh, activated. A league, a league. Yes. Okay. Uh, I don't have any more information on that, but yeah, that's something that I am interested in. Uh, what I need the most is just to kind of find the guys that can help me kind of put the pieces together because I'm very ignorant in how to, uh, get one of these things going. So yeah, trying to find just the guys that are like, yeah, we just plug these in like this is kind of what I need first. Yeah. A run in a league is kind of like herding cats. So yeah, have fun. a fascinating visit with Lawrence. He's going to stick around for the show for a little bit. Um, and if you can't hear, I'm probably going to put a disclaimer in the beginning as well. But we're having a little bit of trouble with getting TeamSpeak to work right on him. So so just uh, tolerate the uh, slight audio disruptions today uh, because we're still getting some great content having Lawrence on the show. So here we go. Let's kick off topics with Sim Racer Support. And what we have is Lawrence DeSawa or De, De Soswa. He's using this platform as a sim racing content provider to help fund a young real world racer, Kyle Coe. All right. Tell us a little bit about it, Mike. All right. Yeah. Lawrence is a uh, DeSosua. I can't say his name. I always butcher it, but he does a lot of good equipment reviews uh, on the YouTube and he's got a nice YouTube community over there. He calls them potato nation, but uh, he found uh, on social media in his local country, uh, a young lady racing an F1000 car and was looking for some sponsorship. She needed tires. She needs fuel to be able to get through the season. And so he said, why not? He decided to uh, throw together a little fundraiser with his community on YouTube. They came up with a, a GoFundMe and raised quite a bit of money, uh, 2,660 pounds so far. Uh, 70 donations. Uh, they have a 5,000 pound goal. Uh, and then there's some neat uh, videos of him uh, presenting her with the information. Like she didn't even know it was happening. Uh, he was able to meet with her at, up at the track and tell her. And, uh, you know, obviously she's very gracious. And uh, what a neat story. Yeah, Mike, um, if, I, if I remember correctly, he was um, just going into his local grocery store and she had like a little flyer posted in the community uh, bulletin board there saying, hey, you know, do you want to help support a young upping uh, 
driver and uh he's like yeah well heck you know i'm in the racing and in, in, in the sim community uh she actually has a um she actually has a um a sim rig at her, at her home which is very basic and she doesn't have all the tracks that she uses in real life so he actually built her a computer and has given her a computer and given her the funding to to get all the tracks that she wants in order to um in order to get everything she needs to learn the tracks that she actually races on so really cool of this guy to do this um charity is always is awesome especially when when it's like you know unexpected like this and uh she was really grateful it was a really it's a really touching story well how about it going from sim racing to real racing you know the charity's going lots of times we see it go the other way around you know real racing oh well chip in and get this guy a rig or something he's you know down and out but it's kind of the other way around we got sim racers uh supporting you know real racing efforts that's pretty cool all right let's so, talk Gert, go ahead i was gonna say there is a gofundme link on our uh script if anyone else wants to join in on the fun Moving on to the tale of the Glen, and uh, we'll need to edit the, the uh, description on this one because it was actually the six hours of the Glen that I iRacing tweeted about, including the overall victory by Team Redline. Thank God it wasn't Williams Esports. Um, so some stats we had, uh, seven 7,664 drivers, 3,435 teams, 70 splits, and 1.57 million miles driven. And since they asked, how was your race? Well, I'll, we'll skip to the results real quick. In my first one, me and Tom teamed up. They piled up in, in the S's of lab one and wiped out half of the prototypes, including me. And then in the second race, I had a lap down uh, prototype just turn right, across, turn right into me as I was passing him in the S's. So, you know, what do you do? It just the streak continues. Yeah, that sucks no. to hear, David. I uh, we I planned to run this with my son, uh, Nick, but come Friday night, he he wasn't comfortable with it, and we decided not to run. I don't want to go out on to a track with uh, without being prepared and then ruin somebody's race. So I'm glad at least one of our teams here got a chance to try it out. Well, some other people who had trouble trying it out was anybody that had Comcast. Uh, apparently, there were many uh, issues where Comcast users um, were having trouble connecting to the race uh, or unable to use the UI or even the member site, the website. Um, and it looked like, according to the forums, that there was a 45-minute period uh, from about 8.45 a.m. Uh, Pacific time to 9.45 where they thought, uh, to 9.30 or so where they had the issue and then it cleared up. So I don't know what the resolution was, but apparently some people were affected. And the uh, Twitter tags of uh, the two winners on Team Redline Sim were Chris Lullum and Diego Pinto. Diego Pinto. Oh, Diego Pinto. Okay, the C was Yeah, he was last year's Porsche winner. All right, this is a real-life story, uh, Donnie. But uh, Road America is getting – actually, now – well, you're not from Wisconsin, but you're you're more northern. I'm going to give this one to Brian. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, so, uh, so apparently, um, the uh, this, the uh, Road America's track surface has been re- redone for the for this season. So, um, 
you know, whenever this kind of stuff happens, we always think about you know, iRacing and uh, how soon, how, how much different it will be now than what iRacing has in the older version and uh, whether iRacing would make a, um, a rescan of something like this to get it up to its current um, condition. So uh, see how, how it plays out at uh, Road America is not on the NASCAR schedule this year, right? They took that off. Um, so we'll miss that race this year, but um yeah, so new track surface at Road America sounds like an opportunity for for some new new scanning. Is IndyCar going there? Oh wait, I the believe IndyCar IndyCar is there. Yeah. No, that, that was a motorsports games reference. Oh, well, new track record. I'll say that, and the bumps. Some of the bumps are gone. I understand too that you know the traditional bumps that you find at this track, and so. I think my question comes, when should iRacing scan a track after a repave? Should we really do it the first year, you know, when the track isn't really broken in yet? Or maybe it needs to be the third or the fourth year. Do you guys have problems with it now? I know we want to be as close to real life as possible, but going around that track, I don't really have too many issues. So I don't know if we're in a desperate need to get the new, to answer your mic, answer your question. Yeah, you would have to, I would think you'd want it to be broken in. Well, think think how long it took them to update Watkins Glen after it was redone. I mean, that's a long time before they updated Watkins. That didn't just include the track surface, though. They had to change a lot of the around the runoff the areas, surface, the runoff yeah. areas and stuff. That's true. Yeah. Well, I also think it has to do with external pressure from partners like NASCAR. Like, if NASCAR was going to Road America, I bet you we would get the the rescan. But, you know, since we're not going there anymore, you know, it's probably going to be on a back burner because we don't really have the pressure to get it updated. And they've been real good about that is, hey, let's get these tracks, try to get them updated, you know, as we go through them on the NASCAR schedule. All right, Justin, take us for a ride in Chicago. Yeah, uh, iRacing's got an Instagram post, and it's a ride-along in the iRacing car of the new course in Chicago. And this is kind of interesting to see because I'm actually going to this race. Well, that'd be cool. Have you guys yeah. ran uh, the cup car on the new uh, release yet? I wish I could say I, ha- I, haven't, I haven't done bought it. it yet. <laughs> I haven't done it on the old one. <laughs> it's actually not terrible to drive. I think uh, Tom, he, he uh, actually put it on our group chat that he did it as well. Uh, it might be hard to race. You know, it might be a complete show come uh, next weekend. But actually getting around it wasn't wasn't bad. You just got to mind your P's and Q's on a couple corners. Uh, make sure you're entering, you know, the right one at the right speed or you're going to one of the two of the corners are super tight on on entry and so it's going to be interesting to see how it bottlenecks but uh i uh where, where are you going to be at justin as of right now i really don't know so i bought a general emission vip ticket so okay. i'm just kind of i'm just kind of winging it um i assume so it gave me wristbands with like a little tag and it must got a chip in it because that's how i get in apparently and i'm assuming there's an entryway where you cross the street and you're kind of in the middle of the track and you go around i know one of the features was air-conditioned bathrooms <laughs> my wife was excited i know it uh at the Daytona 24, there were no assigned seats, even even up in the grandstands. So you could just kind of roam around and pick your spot where you wanted, what you wanted to watch, when you wanted to watch it. 
So I, I watched the beginning and the ending of the race from the from the grandstands, and a lot of the middle, I was sitting in the infield. Yeah. Uh, then on that tag too, it's my I I had to program my credit card onto it. I didn't have to, but I did, and it's uh that's my credit card. I assume there's going to be a bunch of stands with food, you know, beer, liquor, whatever, you know, prizes. And I thought that was neat. I've never seen that before. at a NASCAR race. Cool. Uh, Matt Busa, a Coke driver, he tweeted out earlier today that he's got access to some kind of VIP tickets where they're like in a, one of the buildings, like in a suite, like where you can look down at the track. And he's selling them for fractions on the dollar. He said to the you know to anybody who hits him up. Hey, you should contact One him. Word. <laughs> well, that would be a nice add-on to Justin's trip. I mean, you have the ba- the band to get into the general admission, and then you buy these other tickets to go up in the buildings. And if you meet up with Busa, do a little quick five-minute hit with him, and we'll put it on next week's show. He's from Chicago area, so I, I imagine he's going to be there. I mean, I'm interested. There's, it's supposed to be kind of like, I'm assuming they're going for an F1 feel to it. There's going to be concerts, a lot of entertainment. There was a leak that I heard. If you stick around one of the early concerts that all the drivers are going to be around there. So I might try. Now I'm going to digress just a hair because we're on this topic. Now the release that we just got recently, um, from iRacing in the release notes, one of the items is they're still updating some of the surrounding artwork around the track at Chicago street course. And so that really means that, you know, iRacing is keeping an eye on the development of this course, the, the sponsorships that are putting, being put up on the walls and that kind of stuff. I wonder if they have somebody on the ground taking photos or something and feeding those back to iRacing so they can make adjustments like this. So, you know, when we go to drive it, it's going to be literally a, a carbon copy of what the what the real boys are getting. I just recently listened to a whole segment on the Dinner with iRacers podcast about building Long Beach, and it's interesting how some of the some of the fences and stuff they literally have to put down and take up every day, and open the streets back up overnight. So I wonder what they're. I wonder how that's going in Chicago too. It makes sense. I mean, that's just construction everywhere. It shouldn't be too much of a task to be able to have to, to do that. Come race weekend, though, they probably won't be able to. So my, my in-laws own a security company in Chicago, and he put extra people on staff because he's afraid these cars are going to blow up the security systems and make them go off. Well, there's a video of just, I think it was Bubba Wallace's car they had, it's just, just a show car, and it was like reverberating through the buildings and it was like vibrating the window panels. So I'm curious what 36 cars is going to do real uh, trimmed out race cars. So it'll be interesting. Pretty funny. If it, some windows shattered or something, we'll be I'd fantastic. It'd be great. Does it, would that mean we won't have to go back there again next year? Well, it'll, it'll create such a, a stir that they'll, they'll want it back. It's a three year deal. Well, Donnie, how often do you have to deal with stray dogs or cats out in your neighborhood? None, but fire extinguishers all the time. I actually used one yesterday, putting out a brake fire. It was very exciting. But Zach Miller found an oddly placed fire extinguisher when checking out his paint job. So I'll do this from time to time, and uh, it always triggers something in my brain. But when you're using the Control F12 
feature and you're looking around your what photo are you going to take and sometimes you'll go below the horizon and then you're somehow above the horizon and it kind of messes with me a little bit but this guy found a fire extinguisher just randomly sitting under his pit box about uh what will go maybe six inches under the ground you guys ever find anything exciting no but that's fun to do like you said is fly around and get underneath the ground and looking up at the bottom of the ground isn't that supposedly a way you could tell if your car was bottoming out at one point? I'm sure you could, yeah. Well, back in Gen 6 times, uh, I think for sure, David, they were using cameras to see, uh, to set right heights. You know, how low can we get the camera? And, and to check it, they would, you know, get it as low as they could. Then they would get a camera on it and just look and see where it was touching the ground or not. Well, what, no, what you could actually do is put the camera under the ground and see if the car was sticking below the ground. It would poke, it would peek through. So it's always interesting, uh, you know, with such a big gargantuan project, funny little things happen. But this thing that happened next is not funny. And um, right during this afternoon's iRacing, uh, NIS race, uh, I'm pretty sure Mike was telling me about this. Alex M. Bates is asking for a reduction in the penalty for passing under yellow in oval racing. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know if that's the best solution. I, we don't need to read his whole text, but it does really stink because um, I it, last night I had to skip pitting and give up on my track position because the guy that was involved in the wreck and was over a half a lap behind me got his position back and it kept telling me to wait on him. And he and I had to just go ahead and go around the pits or come to a stop and, and be worried if I was going to get plowed into by all the people trying to get, get, get caught up. Yeah. This is one of the more aggravating penalties we got. Um, I qualified pole for gateway and under the first caution, I got this penalty and it screwed my race. I'm curious. I, you don't see this obviously happen in, in real life too often. So I was going to ask what the penalty would be in, in real life, but I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Cause then you got to pit your black flag under green, and it's just it's just rough. I always get bit when the lap cars are pitting because they pit a lap after the lead cars. And if they like if their cars junk and they're fit, using that whole lap to fix their car, you got to sit there and wait, 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 wait. And sometimes it bites you. Yep. Yeah. I, One of the things they particularly need to do is is make it a little bit more picky on if you lose your spot when you're involved in the wreck. It's just giving people their spots back way too easily when they're over a half a lap down in involved in the wrecks. That that would really solve this part of it. Uh, but you bring up another thread that I think is on the script as well about like when the wave rounds are coming around, they have to stop when 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 somebody is comes out of the pits at the last second they have to wait on them and people who come out of the pits at the last second should be stuck in the back yeah and another thing justin mentioned was being able to limp your car back i mean you should be able to limp your car back to the pit and not have to worry about ruining somebody's race i mean you want to be able to save some time from towing and limp your car back as opposed to towing but you have to tow uh, to be nice to not ruin the guy behind you his day yeah but sometimes Sometimes the required repairs may only be 30 seconds. Right. You can limp back and stay yes, on the lead absolutely. lap. Yeah, so there's some things. And we're going to talk about the downshift later, and I, something I found out about listening with that show. But we had a Pet Peeves episode a couple weeks ago where we talked about what we'd like to see. But for me, penalties, this is a huge one that um, they need to get it squared away. Yeah, and 
all for having the penalties match the real world counterparts, but when when the sim itself is kind of creating um, penalties that really wouldn't be there in real life, I think I think they can they can ease up on on the actual penalty compared to what it is in in the real world. So I I, I agree with Alex and his post. I think I think they should should re readdress these penalties unless unless they could do a better job of of reforming up the uh, pace lines and stuff i think they should really uh think about um dialing back these penalties yeah and eric in the comment right below I mean, he says it perfectly but on in oval racing especially with our laps being so short having a green flag penalty under a yellow flag um a breaking a rule under yellow flag is just it's just way too much losing laps yeah yeah, if it's if it's if it's one of those things where it's not really deserved, yes. If, if I mean, if that's the penalty and you actually did something wrong, speeding or something like that, that's one thing. But when when the when the game when the sim itself is causing an issue, then that's that's totally different. I think they should be more lenient in that case. And you know, if you if you guys run some leagues sometimes or a lot of hosted races, you'll hear that you know. People yelling, "Hey, can I pass under yellow? Can you clear my uh, black flag? Can you clear my black flag?" You hear that all the time, um, but iRacing, you don't have that ability to do that, obviously. And I wouldn't want that. I, that's what turned me off of leagues was hearing that constantly when it was majority of the time undeserved to get your lap back. Just stop. And just let's play yeah. by the rules. Well, OBRL does not do any of that stuff. They, they stick strictly to what iRacing does ditches out so i like it that way too it takes a lot of the subjectivity out you'll, you'll get some leagues where guys get you know you you'll, you'll get somebody clear a flag for one guy but maybe not for another and then all kinds of uh, problems erupt well it's and, too uh, go ahead well i was going to say there's also can be unintended consequences i was in a league last year where um they were adding an extra lap to the yellow to make it easy for the wave arounds to get around. And when they did that, it would screw the lucky dog because the lucky dog would get certain track position. But if they extend the yellow for the wave arounds, the lucky dog had to be put behind the wave arounds. And so he was screwing that lucky dog guy, but, and he wasn't trying to, but he was trying to be nice to the wave arounds, but just by you know having an admin with a with all the buttons to push that doesn't mean he should push them an interesting real life comparison at nashville a couple of years ago they were actually sending the wave arounds with two to go instead of one to go so we'll move on though uh it's unfortunate that greg doesn't get to be on here but the reason he's not on here is because it's his anniversary and it's also apparently iRacing's anniversary right and it's kind of a big one 15 years 15 it's a long time is it 15 or is it is the so is that a typo it's, it's 15 it's 15 it's 15 <laughs> 2008 when it when it started up and uh yeah be 23 that's 15 years of june yeah yep so congratulations iris and that's a long time for a service to be you know uh, a, a sim to be in service you know from its base i know obviously it's changed quite a bit but essentially it's it's in its original format yeah, I remember hearing about it through Dale Jr. I've said this many times on the show before uh, back then and just being envious all the way up until a couple years ago. And I finally bit the bullet and uh, decided to go down this journey. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. I remember 
always hearing about the computer games from the 90s, the Papyrus games, and uh, no, just never able to, to have a computer to be able to run a game like that. So, yes, it's just awesome, and it's growing. So I want to point out what a significant you know, accomplishment this is, not just in sim racing, but in software development and in general. Think about how many software programs are you using today that was started 15 years ago? You know, there's nothing. I mean, nothing lasts that long in this Windows. 2023 20, industry, you know, Windows, but it's different versions of it. But, but, but that's it. I mean, there's really nothing. So, uh, when they had their podcast, uh, the iRacing podcast downshift this week, they talked about this a little bit with Steve Myers, the vice president there. Um, what an accomplishment it is. And, and iRacing is really thriving right now. They've never been bigger. They have all kinds of employees, more than they've ever had. They're, they have all kinds of projects they're working on. Um, so uh, kudos to them for the next 15. Uh, I, I never thought I'd see software that lasts 15 years long. Uh, speaking of their employees, Mike, would you have guessed they have 250 employees? That's a lot. <laughs> no, I didn't have any idea it was that. I know big. we like to hammer the UI, and we always like to criticize it and joke about it and whatnot, but having 250 employees, I would have assumed that UI would be bulletproof by now. Yeah, I, I wonder if um, back in 2008, if you could put the lasso of truth around some of the developers to ask them if iRacing would be the size it is, it is, you know, 15 years later. I, I doubt if you would get honest answers like, yeah, we definitely envisioned it to be this big. I don't think so. I don't think back then they knew what was going to happen next week. I mean, they kind of, Kevin Bobbitt talked about that a little bit on their podcast, uh, what it was like back in the early days. He talked about uh, Greg Hill build, building the first, uh, you know, 10 PCs that they were going to start writing code on, and they were just methodically putting them together. They were all sitting on a floor. I mean, that's how a business starts and, and grows. I mean, Lawrence, you're kind of doing the same thing. You got, you know, you got a new facility now, uh, but you started building off the floor too. I mean, that's how it gets started. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool actually to see exactly what they're doing. A lot of respect there for sure. I agree with everything that you were saying, but yeah, it's not easy. It takes a little bit of work, a lot of dedication, but more than anything, it takes just the right people, right? Like you find the right people, you assemble the right team, and then you get the, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the vision going and kind of puts it all together. So it seems like they really had a, a, a good team in the beginning and they, everybody stuck around and made it happen. Pretty cool, man. It's actually, it's, I was, I've been on iRacing for, uh, since when did I get hired? it was about 2012, maybe 2013. And, uh, when I first got hired at, at dream racing, I was an instructor coach and they were using iRacing up there. I can't remember the year exactly, but I was 21. So only eight years ago. And um, they were a lot different than it is today. And the thing that's probably the most interesting is how many people are online right now versus what it was back then. Even just prior to COVID, it's like a 3X spike and it stayed really large after COVID. And I think that's probably the coolest thing that I see when I get online is how they were able to capture that and keep that uh, around. Well, there's 8,700 online right now. So, what I like about it, how much opportunity it's created from little to big you know you asked me 
three years ago, if I'd ever be on a, you know, a little podcast or, you know, building computers. No, I had no idea how to do that. I just loved the idea of iRacing when I watched it during the COVID races. And then, you know, I hear stories from, I think it's, quote me if I'm wrong, but Keegan Leahy, you know, I think he won a championship in the Coca-Cola series and he's a, uh, like a, he helps 2311 with their He's drivers. driver coach. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. So, I mean, look at that. It, it's just awesome. I appreciate it a lot. Well, since we right, already were then, talking downshift, they brought up uh, something on there that they are working on a project for Texas. And we don't know what that is, but we can definitely speculate. You know, last week, David, you guys talked about that AI track that was created by chat GPT, whatever. Um, is would this be an opportunity for them to create something completely different, but still oval centric, maybe a kidney bean, maybe just something different. Figure eight. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta be better. Right. I don't know. I mean, I feel like with you using iRacing, they can utilize that tool to do whatever they want. I'm just, I've always envisioned this like fantasy track as, as, as a kid, just not simply just a circle, but not a road course, obviously, but uh, still keep the, the oval base behind it, but just a completely different shape, not like a Nazareth. That thing was like a, a weird looking D. I think it's Nazareth what I'm, what I'm thinking of, but just something different. Having a circle instead of an oval, like a literally a circle. We have Oxford planes. <laughs> or um, a trapezoid. Like a Pocono. Something where you got well, yeah, because well, kind of like use... Pocono except four corners. Yeah, so you have two shallow corners and two ridiculously steep corners. You know what's great about Pocono is you have to use different disciplines for the corners, but it's typically flat. Now maybe if you have a a higher bank corner one and two, then you're going down the back stretch to whatever, and it might be a a right hand kink in the back. I don't know. Maybe people are going to hate me for okay. that, but but uh, something different. I'm gonna guess Ben Kennedy and team. You know, I think they're working on Atlanta part two. Nope. Pass. <laughs> but you're probably right. We can't. I, can the teams afford more plate racing? Can they not afford more place? Racing? I, don't, I don't know. It just seems expensive every time they go to one. Well, I hope it's not in Atlanta, but you're probably right that they're probably going to try to work with them on a redesign of the track. Because they have to work with those suites, and they can't really make a short track out of that if they want to keep those suites intact. Um, yeah, they failed with Auto Club. That didn't work. So uh, we'll see what they do. Donnie, we were hanging out talking about uh, getting ready for Daytona next year, and you came on and private messaged me and mentioned that you were really surprised how much drive deeper you could drive now that you have your sim coach pedals working. Well, yeah, I've heard you guys for a good solid year uh, go on about how good the pedals are. I've heard the ad. I, I've, re I've read the ad, um, but when I bought the pedals, I think we ran our last NIS road course race just prior, so I've only been using them on oval, and you don't necessarily... Um, I didn't get the full effect yet, uh, but last week um, I'm transitioning to road for the winter and I threw them on uh, my BMW M4 and I mixed up the washers. Um, I thought hard was too hard for that car, uh, so I did a mixture of hard and soft and it gave me a great feel. And I hadn't driven this car since last February and I went to Road America. I looked at my times 
and I compared my times and within two laps, so I'm still probably on cold tires, wasn't really going extremely hard. And I was able to beat my fastest time, my all time best uh, time by about eight tenths of a second. Um, still probably on cold tires, being off that, out of that car for about eight months and uh, first time with these pedals. And there wasn't a whole lot of adjusting I needed to do within the within the visor app either. I played around with it, but um, I think what you're saying for the sports cars in general, just keeping them at default is 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 good enough. Yeah, so there you hear it. Just another example of how how great these pedals feel. They just when I press that brake, I'm, I'm not having. To, I don't ever have to lift. It's just I always. I don't have to do negative pressure with my leg, if that makes sense. It's always about how hard you're pushing. You don't have to float your leg and control how high you're holding your foot like you do with the, the cheaper models. Um, so iRacers Lounge is the code. You can still get 10% off. It's the best deal you can get. Go get your pedals today. Simcoaches.com. All right, next up, Brian, we have a Season 3 Patch 2 release notes. Yeah, so uh, iRacing dumped a new patch. Uh, I thought it was this morning it was down for service. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's uh, check this thing out and see what's on here. Hang on a second. Yeah, I had that Chicago changes I mentioned earlier. Um, and then there were some graphical changes to do with V-Sync. Um, and so I don't really know what V-Sync is. And I, I reminded myself I need to look this up and see if this is something I need to enable or, or whatever. But... Um, apparently they fixed where V-Sync works now. Doesn't that have to do with synchronizing frame weights between different devices? Yeah, like with triples, I think the idea is you sync your, your vertical sync between all three monitors. Um, the, it indicates that you have to not be using NVIDIA Surround, which I do use NVIDIA Surround. So I, more research by me is needed on, on this particular item. There's one I noticed uh, about the spotter. Um, the spotter message for setting the overall fastest lap will not only play for open practice and race sessions, not in alone sessions anymore. So it was getting annoying when you're in a test session practicing and uh, every lap you set the fastest lap and I, I get it. I'm the only one on the track. So I'm glad they were able to fix that. So they made a couple of uh, adjustments to the new dirt racing model uh, as far as uh, the amount of water the track is uh, absorbing and uh, some other issues where um, the dirt displacement on the tires is changing. So that's one of those things where it's a new, new, um, you know, a big overhaul and they're probably getting a lot of feedback from the community after uh, releasing that. All right, Mike, more I in AI. <laughs> Yeah, Bryce Douglas in the forums, he posted that since the latest update, the AI cars don't wreck each other on super speedways. Um, and he's tested it, and uh, it just doesn't happen. Now, uh, that, I thought it was interesting. I did run some AI last night in, at the Nords, uh, the Toyota 86, trying to get ready for the Ringmeister series. Uh, when, when that Toyota 86 uh, week comes up, I'm trying to be ready for that. Um, they were wrecking each other at the Nord, so yeah, maybe it's just a super speedway uh, thing. Yeah, I haven't. Re I, I've done a decent amount of AI racing, um, not as much on the super speedways as as, uh, as other tracks. But the one thing I noticed about super speedways was, you know, they're a little bit too um, too perfectly lined up when they're when when you're racing. You know, there wasn't as much swaying, so. Um, I'd like to, I'm wondering if that has changed at all since the, since the AI update. 
Yeah, it drives me crazy. But even at the Nords, uh, the AI, their lines are too perfect. They're too perfect. I, I mean, I even drop, drag the sliders down so they're not like pros, and it's still too perfect. I mean, I, I can't hit the lines perfect. And if I'm racing with real people, they're not hitting the lines perfect. And some of them are, but not consistently like the AI does. So, yeah, you can really tell it's AI because of the line. All right, I got to throw this one your way too since you're the FOV king. Yeah. Daniel Peters mentioned in the forums that since the last major update, not the one this morning, all my cockpit cameras with adjusted settings are slightly more forward. It also feels like my correct FOV is now noticeably higher than before. And a few others piped in and said the same thing that they experienced it, and I have as well. Right after the patch, the first time I got in the car, I was like, wait a minute, this looks different. And sure enough, it was easy to tell in my triples because the dash was not showing as much as it was before. And so I hadn't changed anything. And so I quickly made some adjustments and kind of put it back where I'm used to it. But I have not been able to put my finger on uh, what's happening. Now, I did... Uh, tag uh, david tucker from staff as well as nick leap uh david tucker is actually on vacation right now uh so maybe nick leap will uh jump into this thread and let us know what the heck's going on more to come there all right donnie who needs chicanes man um, not us, or not me at least, but uh, most tracks have them, especially on the roadside. But I recently posted a video of L of the new LMPs flying through Monza without the chicanes. Did you guys give this one a watch? A, oh, yeah. What a blast that configuration is. That's kind of why I put it on the show so we could talk about it, because I don't like the you know, to slow down so much and hit that chicane at Monza. If you could just fly through there, it's a little bit of a bump. It upsets the car, but man, you can hold it, uh, you know, full throttle through that. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't do a whole lot of uh, road racing, especially with uh, some of the European tracks. But um, I've done, when I have done um, Monza, I'm always surprised how fast a track that is, you know, even with even with some of the chicanes in it. It's a fast track, and then you take them bad boys out, and you're really hauling. So in this format, you just drive right over the grass, huh? Yeah, that's the idea. The cones aren't there because there's cones there. If you take the normal, you know, Grand Prix circuit, they kind of direct you through the chicane, but they just remove those and you just fly through it. Yeah, those will go nearly as fast as the F1 cars, almost. They're just a little heavier. They won't turn as fast. All right, moving on to off-road, Justin. Yeah, the Nitros... Uh, circus sim racing team uh, tweeted, we're bringing back the the fire to the off-road world championship. Pro drivers are ready to battle next week. And they got a list of their drivers. Uh, Connor Barry, Josh Edmundson, Connor Parice, I might have butchered that, Jacob Rafos, and Keith Jeffrey. Now, yeah, so, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say a couple of these guys are real-life uh, Nitro Circus drivers, right? Yeah, this is uh, for the real series. Um, most of those guys are new or returning from last season. I was able to go out to the, um, the Glen Helen race last year. Uh, Connor Daly, that's the notable one. He's joining the E-Series, which is their electric rally car, which in person, 
you got to get used to because you don't hear anything other than suspension travel and dirt getting kicked up. Um, but they're super fast. But they're re- they had reliability issues. I remember last year, um, like Travis Pastrana's car, I don't think he completed one race, maybe a handful of laps. So hopefully that's they worked out the bugs. Uh, Leah Block will race in the, the next series, they call it. And then they also have a, a side-by-side. And usually uh, Deegan races in that one, uh, the dad, Brian Deegan. Okay, so these guys from Nitro Circus, they're racing in the Off-Road World Championship, which is starting this next week, I believe, on Wednesday nights. And uh, they talked about that on the iRacing uh, podcast as well. What cars that was are really fun. Yeah. yeah. Are they going to use the trucks? Yeah, Pro 4, right? Pro 4, yeah. This is actually something that we're super excited for, too, because uh, we have one driver that we sponsor, and we have for the last uh, two years. His name's Keaton Swain, and he he uh, also uh, challenges in the off-road world championship that's starting up this upcoming week. So definitely keep an eye out for Keaton Swain, too. Give him a, a good good luck chant. You know, give him a good, good luck chant. Go get it. All right, I'll take this next quick hit. Um, turn one, or no, Turn Racing Grand Prix I Racing Series qualifying schedule is announced. And it's the series that's going to be run in the jet car or the IRO1, as we as it's properly called. Um, and it's a seven-race schedule. The sessions kick off at 1845 GMT on Thursdays starting July 6th. And the schedule I can read off real quick. It looks like it's just, it's literally seven weeks in a row. We got Red Bull, Monza. No, that's not Monza. That's, uh, uh, it's Enzo Ferrari. What is everybody? Imola. They call it Imola. That's the short. Imola. Yeah. Jerez, uh, Pocono, Spa, Belle Isle, and Brands Hatch. Wait, wait. Pocono. You said so- Pocono? <laughs> oh, that's right. Didn't, weren't they throwing some ovals in? Or, well, they got one oval, out. Pocono, and then they got all these, you know, F1 style or IndyCar style uh, tracks, road courses, street course. Uh, but yeah, one oval, Pocono. Why Pocono? Because oh, it is fun. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of races like a road course, course as far as ovals go a little bit. Doesn't it actually have a road configuration as well? Yeah, there are road configurations, but an IRO one come out with some oval um, setups though, so they're kind of supporting a little bit more of the oval racing with the IRO one. Yeah, I'm sure they're running the oval on that one. Um, the road course at Pocono wouldn't be suitable for these high, you know, horsepower cars. Still, if they're going to run ovals, they should out of seven, they should have. T- I think they should have two in there. Should have th- <laughs> They should throw in Texas or something. Milwaukee, Charlotte, or something. Yeah, and and like you said, the last time, add the G-force measurement so that they black out if they go too fast. <laughs> All right, what's this uh, league we've got coming up here, Justin? Yeah, David, signups are coming in. Our Prodigy Racing League GR86 Cup tournament starts June nineteenth on Circuit of Zolders Grand Prix uh, configuration. Now, is this the one that's? Yeah. Uh, involves scoring a ride or some kind of coaching yeah you get to complete in real radical sr1 race cars at prodigy week uh 15 of the top performers will get that golden ticket of motorsports they call it so sign up today at racingprodigy.com i'm looking at their website there's a sign up button you have to go there uh then you go to time attack and you have to run the time attacks uh the gr86 i believe 
somebody's got to win it. Get out there, guys, and try it. All right, Brian, only one event on the schedule. Tell us about the Race for More 2.4. Yeah, so iRacing is going to be sponsoring the Race for More 2.4. It's actually a two-hour and 24-minute charity team racing event. fits the National MS Society. Um, it's going to be held at Road Atlanta, and uh, the competing cars are going to be the Corvette C8R GTE, the GT4 class, and the Toyota GR8. So uh, this is a charity race. It's going to be held in August. Uh, third and fourth, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, this used to be the Peach Tree Race. Uh, I think it's it was uh, it's been renamed now or responsored. But um, this is the race I think where as donations come in, they start spilling the beans on special uh, dates and things like that. If I'm not if not mistaken, yeah. I can't remember from last year. Is this set up as an official race where you have to register in, in through the lobby? Yeah, it is a multi. Uh person event so to speak where but you can run single because it's for charity they did mention that later in the forum post but it's official racing like like it'll go into splits and stuff i think so yeah it says greg west posted later yes this event can be soloed as it is a fun racer i think it's official but i'm not certain i would think so i don't think iRacing puts these kind of things in hosted so Except that makes sense. Who are they going to, yeah, who it would come down to, who are they going to put in the broadcasted split? And I mean, I thought maybe you would pay for this, but I, if it is a, an actual official, then that makes sense. Podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Get on our Discord and join the community. Throughout the week, we're always talking stuff, so join us. Check out the website, iRacersLounge.com, for the show notes. And we're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Let's kick off some hardware softwares. Sponsored by Metro Ford of Chicago. And we're going to kick it off with the Pimax Crystal Review. And um, Brian, I'm guessing he wasn't super excited because in his title uh, over on Boosted Media, Media, he says, uh, I tried so hard to love this. Yeah, so uh, this is Will Ford uh, and Boosted Media uh, reviewing the Pimax Crystal new heads, VR headset that came out. So um, yeah, I watched this video. And yeah, he was he was just frustrated in, in in the end, and it wasn't because it's a bad headset. Um, the the um, the the resolution on it is is literally the highest that there is out there now. It's it's ahead of the Vero um, Arrow, um, 
it's it's way ahead of uh, even the, the HP reverb. He said like the the image quality is crystal clear. It's it's the best he's seen in any headset. No screen door effect whatsoever. Um, the uh, the headset's a little heavy, but it's balanced okay. It's not pulling down on its face like uh, the older um, Pimaxes were that had the extra wide, really heavy front face to it. Um, and part of the reason is because these have a battery, which is di which is different. So uh, there's a battery that attaches to the back of the head strap. The battery is about a four hour long uh, runtime. So and that has to be in whether you're plugged into uh, your PC or not. So um, that that's an interesting thing, and that might turn off some people who who do like really long sessions, or you're worried about um, you know running, you know not charging your battery before a race or something. You get two batteries with it, and you can change them out on the fly without without um, losing contact, without shutting your game off. But you know you obviously got to pause or whatever. You got to take the headset off to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not that easy to do. Um, so yeah, what, what are you going to do in that the might be six hour, hour, right? Yeah, that's that's a uh, tough one. Six so, hour, but six six hundred. Six hundred. Yeah, that's a four hour race, easy. So, um, so I think the biggest problem that um, that Will had was, you know, just he was just having issues with the software not running right all the time, um, and that was his biggest turnoff. And in the end, he he kind of did not recommend it as um, you know it's it's a sixteen hundred dollar headset, so it's not cheap. It's ins it's a inside out tracking, so you don't need lighthouse towers or anything like that. But um, yeah, he just he just couldn't recommend it based on the price and some of the issues that he had with it. So uh, this this headset does quite intrigue me quite a bit because the the uh, the visuals are supposed to be spectacular but it's just a matter of whether you can put up with some of the negatives that come along with it some of it could be software that could uh, that could fix it uh, at later time you know that um could be updates that could make it work better but right now it's he said it's just not quite right there why yeah, the configuration kind of device, yeah why would this kind of a device would you want to be battery dependent and not be able to run off a of wall power. It, that that's a deal breaker for me, hundred percent. You'd rather be tethered to an AC cord than have this heavy battery, or at least have the option. Yes. Right. Well, the HP Reverb has a, a battery supply to it, right, Dave? They've got that little block with the thing you plug in, so there it's got extra power coming to it out of the uh, outside of the headset, and it doesn't affect you because it's still only one wire going to the headset. That's not that's coming from the wall. That's not coming from a battery. No, no, that's what I mean. It has AC power get yeah. run into the headset. Yeah, this one is only battery. You know, I don't I don't understand why you couldn't run it off of both or um, extend the battery life by having it plugged in and or and to a power source as well. Yeah, and and another thing he mentioned was the batteries are not easy to swap out. You know, the the there's little, little tabs you got to pinch in, push in, and uh, he said that it's really hard to do. And he actually called the the support team about it, and they said, yeah, none of the none of the ladies in the uh, in the office here can do it. They have to they have a guy come and do it for them because they weren't able to push the tabs in to get it locked in interesting something they could fix again in later versions of it but right now it's not quite not quite right there i got the but, impression you didn't like the configuration of it it took too long to set up the software was clunky hard to use and that really turned him off on it 
Yeah, like I said, a lot of it was software issues, and I don't think Will, in for the most part, is a big fan of VR anyway. I mean, he's got the three sixty-five inch four K TV, so he, you know, he's he's set. So, but but the but um but I think if you're you're a little bit more used to VR, you kind of overlook the things, some of the things he doesn't like, like taking your head off to go through menus and stuff like. Well, I don't I, I don't have to take my hat off. My, my set to go through menus, I, I just use the one of the hand controllers and basically have a floating desktop and can do everything I want. In fact, when I'm racing, I, I literally have my other monitor with with everything I run except for iRacing that I can tab between during cautions or in a practice when I'm looking at, at stint analyzer to see how one set compares to another. I never have to take the headset off or any of that. Yeah, so basically that's why he's frustrated because he he the visuals are so good. He wanted this thing to work better than it did, but um, maybe maybe it'll get there in future releases. But right now he just he just not not into it. All right, Donnie. Next up, let's talk Sim Magic Alpha. We've got a wheelbase review. Lawrence, we talked about him earlier. Do Soswa. I don't know if we ever get that right. Uh, reviews of SimMagic Alpha U, their 23 newton meter wheelbase. And he goes over a list of things uh, the price, uh, insulating the hardware, the software, uh, the shipping, and the quick release, which is nice. It's, a, it's an NRG quick release. They make the really nice ball bearing uh, quick releases. That's always a, you know, a pet peeve when it comes to these wheelbases. Are they going to be proprietary? What kind of. A uh, quick release system do they have? But this is a really good one. And then he goes over all the the wheels. And overall, he likes it. He says the software is uh, pretty simplistic to use with uh, uh, SimMagic, and and the looks of it alone looks uh, similar to SimiCube, with the the actual industrial look to the wheelbase itself. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think? It's so long. <laughs> it it looks like the SimiCube Ultimate. It's the way it looks because of how long it is, but. Well, it's not it that is many. A 23. Yeah. You know, I think nowadays when you're looking at premium direct drive wheels, you you got to you definitely got to look at SimiCube. You definitely got to look at Ace Attack. And and I think you got to look at Sim Magic too. I mean, um you know, they got several different offerings, you know. There's been some good reviews on this space. Of course, there's some drawbacks where you know, you can't really uh, mix and match wheels very well. Um, our friend Tony Groves, he bought us in Magic, not this one, but the, the lower one. All right, guys, we found the seat that Mike needs. Oh, yeah. I'm still waiting for this one. Uh, every time we look, we see it out there, I want to talk about it because it's called the Eau Rouge Cold Fusion C1 seat. And it basically uh, cools you as you're racing uh, with their new cooling technology. I'm curious how well it will work. I know we've seen reviews on it. Um, I'm more worried about the, the lumbar area and below when you're just sitting in a stagnant seat for hours upon hours. So um, I don't know what, I think this was like 900 bucks the last time we looked at it, but I'm curious on it's overseas. So you got to get it shipped over here, but um Do you see those two little pillows kind of, kind of on yeah. the side? Mm -hmm. Those are usually movable. And you basically put them where you need to, because I actually have those on mine and I have them a little bit lower because I'm and and, you know, and a little bit more inside. I don't know if those are movable, but they are on my Sparco seat. Hmm. 
Yeah, I've got it. See where the seatbelt, the lap belt would go in. I've thought about putting hoses in there to kind of get some air movement in there. But that is my only complaint with my rig is uh, the lower back swamp that you uh, accrue. I just keep a, I keep my room cool enough because, yeah, we have this thing called AC here. And and it's also we also have dirt cheap electricity in Paragould, so um, I, I run it. Well, I run it, you know, usually on seventy two. I don't I don't turn it ridiculously cool. But if I keep it there, I don't get too hot. Um, but as far as lumbar support, I remember when I used to race in the the office chair, my tailbone would literally fall asleep, and I don't have that issue now in 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 the proper racing seat because it just the weight's more evenly distributed, and you don't you don't get those numb spots. Idle idea, swamp back. Have we not done that one already? We've done SWAS this time last year. I think yeah, it was my right. second episode. Right as the summer was starting. Uh, you know, Donnie's right. My hot, my back gets hot in my seat. I have an NRG seat, but there's no ventilation there. I even have fans on either side of me blowing at my sides just to try to help that. And it works, but I think, you know, a Rouge with this product, they really have solved a need man, we need this in America. We need an American distributor. I might, I would, I would be very interested if I didn't have to pay crazy shipping for it. That's kind of sad. You got to take a shower sometimes after a good, decent race you're in and you're competitive and your adrenaline's been kicking for two hours. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to get out and take a shower. All right. This next one's kind of a quick hit since it's just a TikTok video, but we have uh, a video from Corsair that shows a motherboard supporting three 4090 graphics cards. What? Didn't one just light on fire again? <laughs> yeah. There's another story about that coming up, but I don't see how these things could keep, especially the center one. How are you going to keep that thing cool? That's crazy. Have you guys used the 4090s yet, Lawrence? No, we haven't experimented with them yet, but uh, we were actually talking just last week about trying to figure out where we can start getting them from to see, you know, how to build some PCs with it because the price of them has come down to where it's now competitive to start using them. So yeah, we're definitely interested. I know we have one teammate that got one and he hasn't had one, his light on fire yet, but I don't remember if he said it keeps a fire extinguisher nearby just in case. He can just grab the one from the track track. You know, we're less interested honestly in the 4090 and more interested in like the 4070 TI or like one of those range cards. Even the, the, amount of performance that these cards have is really outrageous to me. It's hard for me to honestly to comprehend because uh, the three series is already really good. And to know how well they are apparently above that, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. So you don't have your pre-order for the five series yet then? No, we don't. Not over here. I don't foresee having to buy a four series. Um, the three, the 3090 is, is definitely getting the job done. Now, to Brian's point of this video, this doesn't seem realistic. Like like you said, they're literally touching each other, all three cards. These do need to have some air going on either side of them. I'm pretty sure that's how the design is. So this must be like a joke. Unless, you know, well, that isn't the one. Because I think MSI had their version where it comes liquid-cooled stock, but I don't believe these are it. No, those have regular, regular heat sinks, air heat sinks. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't suggest this build. <laughs> How about this next build, though, David? Well, we have something from Advanced Sim Racing. It's a custom UV print Corvette chassis that meets the ASR Pro Sim 
Oh, no, I'm reading this wrong. The custom UV print Corvette chassis meets AASR Pro Sim Racing chassis. And um, it says, take control with the Sim Cube 2 Ultimate Wheelbase paired with a HTE-R seat from OMP Racing. And this Pro Sim Sequential Shifter and Master Racing with the Huskinfield official sim brake. So it's a, it's a whole other pre-made rig in an actual Corvette uh, body, I guess, almost. Or no, just a chassis. I remember, Mike, when this was uh, the Pro version was announced last year that we had a problem with the flat panels and how would you mount things. I think this is the case where you need the flat panel so you can throw some kind of livery on there or a company design. If you're going to sell to a dealership, they can throw their their dealership markings on it as well. But it, uh, ASR, it's it's they're they're fantastic. I honestly, whenever I see a Pro Sim Shifter, I can't stop staring at it. I know we got uh, we got a teammate with one of them, and I just love it. Now this wow. is actually is this not an eighty twenty rig with flat panels just added on top of it? No, that's their their pro version is a smooth sided extrusion. It's supposed to be for more rigidity, even though I'm sitting on an AR6 now, and I can't imagine it getting any more rigid than it is now. But can't you see the 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 groove on the on the end of it? If you look at the very front edge. Yeah, it's flat. It's a smooth face so, uh, extrusion. Yeah, they make this extrusion. This uh, I was talking to the ASR guys, and this is actually their own die and everything that they're using to make this. So. Yeah, they definitely have some a bit invested into these chassis. Now, for you as uh, building sim sim rigs, do you prefer the smooth panels, or would you want it optional? Like maybe throw your own panel on top, because now you really limit your your capabilities when you when you make that thing solid. Yeah, we we do something super similar over here, but we just have flat panels that we put mag, uh, magnetic strip on basically both sides, a magnetic strip on the side of the um, extrusion, excuse me, and then the panel is uh, steel, so it actually sticks to it, and it kind of achieves the same thing, but um, you're able to make the panels to size, so you can still mount things to the extrusion, and then after, like, let's say your, your shifter is mounted, then we add the, the flat plate. But uh, it's definitely cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think it's pretty innovative. They're, they're doing something in an area that it's not easy to innovate. Uh, so that's why I think that's pretty cool. It's a chassis with flat panels that we haven't really seen. So for this flat panel, the one we're looking at now, how are they mounting the attenuators to the side? Are they actually drilling through the extrusion into the channel? You know, that I don't like, know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but I believe it's actually on the underside. I see. I, see yeah, it, right, right. Bouncer, I think, like, even the the extrusion arms that go up, I believe there's a mount on the bottom side that ties those together, as well as, like, maybe 90 brackets on um, the corner. But I think that they're just relying on the channels. They're not – it's purpose-built for the way that it's, you know, it's so, – it's, So there are T-slot channels that I'm seeing that, like you see in an 8020, it's just on only on one side. Yeah, that's exactly right. So one side is flat. The other sides are all regular T-slotted. What I really draws me into this ASR rig is it's wider than a normal footprint rig, you know, um, and, and that extra width is, I think that's what makes it pro to me. So do people actually uh, prefer wider cockpits over more narrow? It's, it's an interesting point. I don't think we've ever dreamt up such a thing until we saw this thing. I mean, nobody ever did it. Everyone just made their, their rigs as, as wide as the seat needs to be, you know, and, and it doesn't need to be wider than the seat or the pedals. So why do it? 
But these guys, they added a good six inches or something on either side. And I think I just like that open space. It just gives more flexibility. I suppose it might depend on if you're a big guy or not or a smaller guy I'll, and also how much space you have you, because I like the fact that mine has a smaller footprint and, and it's also easy for me to get in and out of being, being on the smaller size. Yeah, I'm, I'm indifferent to the size. I, I'm good with what I have. Um, being bigger would be okay, but I mean, yeah, we got to put it somewhere. Man, that seat, too. OMP seat. Man, that's expensive. All really good bits on this uh, rig, too. And then it matches up with his Corvette, his real car, the paint job. Um, pretty neat look. Uh, I, I like it when people do the color coordinate. Hey, let's go for a theme. Let's go for a, a color or something and make it just not this normal drab black. All right, Lawrence, do you think you can spit off the next video by memory? Yeah, sure. We just uh, we released a new YouTube video talking about our entry level thousand dollar simulator. Uh, it goes over our light turnkey offering, which is uh, a really exciting offering for us um, because it uh, is our entryway for novice drivers and and uh, little kids and, and just people to get into um, sim racing. It's completely a complete build, um, so it includes every single piece that a driver would need, and it shows up to your house fully. Uh, assembled. The only thing, actually, that's a lie because uh, with the th if you get three monitors on it or even a forty nine, it doesn't fit through the doorway. So door uh, screens, like side ones, have to get put on. But uh, we fly out to your house, we do that, and we train you on it. And uh, yeah, it's really exciting uh, what we've been able to do with our turnkey cockpits and the amount of um, interest actually that it's generated through sim coaches is, is uh, equally as interesting for us because. Uh, we didn't necessarily think that it was going to be something that was as popular as it is, but uh, a ton of emails, ton of calls uh, about people that are just simply looking for something that is is already done for them. They don't have to do the research and try to figure out, is this compatible with this? And how do I get a PC working well with the monitors? There's none of those questions. Everything is done for you. Take all the guesswork out, shows it to your house, you come home and jump on and play. And it's easy to get in and out of with those swing open uh, side mounts, right? Yeah, those uh, those monitor arms are just awesome. Being able to get that really tight to your side of your you know your face, uh, while being able to then open it up and get out of the cockpit is really just a nice piece. Can you uh, swap out the foot the feet for casters? You know, it's so so funny that you ask that because that's literally the most common question that we get. And uh, yeah, the feet can be swapped out right where a foot is at. Caster wheel goes up. And uh, then you can move the thing around. We were able to basically tie all the wires to the chassis itself. And then uh, one wire, just one plug comes out of the chassis. So if you ever need to move this thing, you pull your one plug out of the wall. Everything is tied to the chassis. Your co the cockpit's on casters and you just roll it where it needs to be. Set it there, plug it back in the wall and you're good to go. Mine is. I can't tell you what a relief that is to be able to clean the floor underneath of it, you know, make appease the wife a little bit, <laughs> run the vacuum, you know, mop the floor, whatever it is. Uh, it, uh, the caster wheels are this uh, outstanding feature for sure. Uh, Lawrence, on you know, one thing, uh, you know, when I'm looking at this that came up in my mind is when you're setting this up for a customer, one of these turnkeys, how much are you actually setting it up? Are you literally racing on it before you ship it? Yeah. So we actually do literally A to Z. Uh, we're going to download iRacing. We're going to get the tracks installed on it, uh, all the software. So, uh, 
any software that's needed, SimHub, uh, anything uh, is already installed. We test it, make sure that the thing completely works. It shows up to your house and it's ready to go. You know, we, when we're at your house, we want to spend more time training you how to actually use this thing and less time setting it up. Um, so we try to do everything that we can right here. So when it shows up, things ready. Do you guys still have the go-kart to rig option where they can buy the go-kart version and then it can transform into a normal size rig? Yeah, that's a great question. We do. Uh, so our go-kart cockpit starts uh, at 9,500 and it basically gets turned into the light turnkey cockpit by standing the monitor mount straight up um, and changing out the seat brackets uh, to just real seat brackets, you know, regular seat brackets, car ones, and then uh, putting a full-size seat on it and actually transforms into that one. Well, it's always really neat to actually have the uh, the guy with the video and the and the hardware come onto the show and talk. So it's I'm glad you've been able to stick around. I think it's a podcast first. Uh, yeah, and it, how uncanny is it that he put out a video, you know, and it ended up on our script, and then he shows up, and it, yeah, it all worked out good. And we got the notification bell working at this point, <laughs> <laughs> or not working, is the actual way. It, what happened yeah and it's it's good to have you back on we we were going to meet up a few weeks ago and i lost my voice then you lost your voice and then donnie was working and so it's just it's been a little bit of a a challenge but we finally made it happen yeah i always appreciate when you guys invite me on this is so much fun it, honestly it's a blast for me to come out here and, and uh talk to you guys and answer your questions because uh the questions that you guys get transparently you play on iRacing and you guys do that stuff more than i do so when i get to hear you guys talk and what you guys say about it it's always really interesting uh, to hear your perspective and hear the questions and, and your point of view on things all right let's keep rolling through the hardware though next up we have a tour of a custom rig justin yeah david audio tech gives a youtube tour of his custom sim rig and this is kind of impressive uh, i think he said he built it for 5k now does that include like the wheelbase and pedals you think i don't think so no okay do you guys but, have nets in your cockpit window nets no. mike used to didn't you or he wanted to <laughs> no i wanted to look why i like this video and why i put it on the script is his ambient lighting with um with the lighting and the way that he positioned the lights above him look i've been struggling with that for a long time when i first got my my lights i had them on the ceiling way above me not even a chance they're going to work that far away um i finally came across a good solution on etsy where a guy you know had 3d printed these little arms that hang off my fourth monitor up above and and they're about two feet above my head and so i i got them close enough that they're actually effective now this guy he did it a different way he he made a hood so to speak or a roof and he basically put the lights on the roof and he got one on either side it's kind of shining down on him he's got one coming from the back as well kind of behind his head up above shining down very effective with the lighting and i wanted to point that out that when you do ambient lighting project, this placement is the hardest thing. I'm sweating just looking at it. I couldn't imagine what right. that actually. I, be I would like. never, <laughs> I would never want the hood, the roof thing, just because of the ventilation problem. Doesn't he have two fans right on the side, on each side of it? Yeah, yeah just to, to circulate his own, his own self as he's as he's driving. 
He's got anti-SWAS measures. That's awesome. I think the ambient light stuff is so cool. It's hard, and you got to get it in the right position. But take a look at uh, 936 on the video. It's a good picture of that light from the back behind him, behind the seat. It's basically, he's got an upright or a stand that's sitting behind the seat, and it just comes up, a, you know, five or six feet, and then it, the, the light is just attached to it. it. It's not a bad idea. But I don't know. He, I like the what I like the Etsy solution because it doesn't have the ventilation problem. All right. Next up, Brian, we've got a video from Invicta featuring the Asatec Sim Sports. Or no, I'm saying this backwards again. We've got one from Asatec Sim Sports featuring the Invicta quick release. Yeah, this is just a YouTube video with the owner of uh, Asatec on there who um, is goes over his new uh, quick release system. So uh, very solid-looking um, release system. I think it, older ones was still pretty good. But, um, yeah, so just uh, just the introduction video shows, shows you a little bit how it's made and how it works. Really cool. This is huge, guys. I mean, if this, this is why I wouldn't have told a, my best friend to buy uh, an Invicta wheel because these things weren't out yet. Okay. Th this was the missing component that they haven't really put out. Now we saw them at the Sim Racing Expo. We knew they were coming. Uh, in this video, he details why they're late coming. He bought uh, the CNC CNC machine from Korea. It literally arrived the day he made this video. Uh, they programmed it and started cutting these these quick uh, quick releases on the CNC machine. He's got a special machine that basically will take where they drill out one side of it and then it'll turn it around and stick it into the other part of the machine to drill out the other side. So there's no human interaction uh, as far as finishing out the product on the CNC machine. Uh, the product is going to include three different lengths of quick releases uh when you, you a short one a medium and a long basically so you don't have to buy an extension kind of like what i did um, you can decide to dismount the longer extension as part of your quick release the other beauty about this is the electronics part of it um, they basically got a usb connection built into it so that you can literally take any wheel that had a you know, outputs to a USB and either, you know, plug it into the little USB or even hardwire it in so it's permanent to make it where it's compatible with their base. And that's got to be probably the smartest feature I've heard in a long time so you don't have to run it all the way over to your computer. Right. So in this video, he's holding an Asher wheel that has a coiled cable that screws on. You basically coils the cable up around it and then it it goes right into the middle of the QR system or and permanently attaches. So that way, when you go release it from the wheelbase, there's no cable. The cable's all part of the quick release. And he said, if you get fancy, you don't even have to wrap the cable around it. You can wire it directly into the middle of it where the cable's not even there at all. So fascinating to see. Uh, he shows exactly how he's manufacturing these with the, the CNC machines, um, giving us an idea of what the raw material looks like. Um, this is very much like you were doing, Lawrence, 
when you guys first started sim coaches uh, building the pedals you were showing us uh, the tour of the the facility you were showing us the cnc machines showing us how the, these things are, are produced and i think that's great to show that to the customer to give us an idea of what what's all going into it yeah definitely a lot of respect that they're doing that stuff in-house because it's not easy we'll get back to that point uh where we're doing our stuff back in-house again but it's going to take a little bit of time but super cool to see that he has a deuce on sitting right there behind him so with this quick release out, um, the other thing, I forget the price. I want to say 150 Is that right? I hope it's right. But he said there's a deal. If you buy five or buy four, you get a fifth one free. So if you have a bunch of wheels, uh, you can get a deal on them at least. Um, but this is what they were talking about at the Sim Racing Expo. Hey, take any wheel out there and you can make it work on this wheelbase. Uh, I don't think there's a, a reason not to buy the Asetek Invicta system at this point, as long as these are available. And you're right. The total is 150. It, it shows it, it towards the end of the video. All right. Yeah. This, this next one, um, smoke's been in the news recently, right? If we're talking real life, but this next article, Donnie, isn't actually about that smoke. Yeah. Will Ford boosted media. He, uh, his 4090 just went up in smoke. Uh, so through techspot.com has an article um, for him. He runs that super awesome computer. It just looks super inspiring. The one he runs, I don't know how many, I'm sure he just had the 14090 in there, but uh, when they came out, we were uh, seeing these things going up in, up in flames. And uh, the most recent one came from uh, Will Ford. He ran uh, formula one, 2023. He put it on pause and he went and made a sandwich for 10 or 15 minutes. He came back, he smelled smoke. Now that photo in the tech spot ad, is that the one, is that his we're seeing or is that just another uh, stock photo? No, now the tech spot article that you're talking about is another report of somebody having an issue with a power adapter melting. So I don't think it's actually Will Ford, this is another person's. Okay, I see, I'm looking at the power supply that it looks like it was plugged into and it says 600 watts. Um, do we think he needed a, uh, higher wattage, uh, power supply unit? Tom, I don't think that's enough. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's, I think it's gotta be higher than that, but I don't know if that's what Will has. I'd be really surprised if he underdid anything. <laughs> well, he's got two PCs. He's got a recording PC and that might be yeah, that's the power right. supply for it. It's basically two it's PCs basically and one. Yeah. Yeah. I think what also it might be too when it says 600 watt is it's talking that that plug is rated for 600 watt. All right, the plug he's plugging into, right? Um, he was, said he was very careful about not tweaking that cable because remember when the 4090s first came out, it was all about uh, people were undoing or redoing the cable or the cable got bent or it bends because it's such a tight case. There's no re you know relief for the cable. And that was what was causing it. So he said he was just super careful. He's never even touched it since initial installation. And he was super sure he made a good connection because he was also aware of the uh, 4090 fire problems. And so, uh, yeah, he was surprised. And uh, it goes to show you, don't leave a sim running, guys, and walk away from it. On the TechSpot page, more about the 600 watt. The cable is actually marked 600 watt as well. So that, that must mean the video card itself is pulling 600 watts. 
Well, um, the weird thing was when he was when he uh, after he got this thing running again, he um did a power draw. Uh, he was watching the power draws when he was like playing iRacing and it was like around 300, a little over 300 watts. And for some reason, when he popped in F1 2023, I think it was, it spiked like way in the high 400s just on that sim. So it was weird that the two different, um, the two different sims had completely different uh, power draws to it. And that's what he had running when it blew up was he had that F1 game running. So watch boy, it, man. they're going to get recalled. Those, those products are. I'm reading some of the the comments on the TechSpot ad, and people are saying that you should not uh, the maximum GPU wattage should be 350. I know nothing about it; it's all over my head. But it seems to be the the consensus in this this uh, comment thread on that article. And theirs is a 600, so that does seem pretty crazy. Now, Steve Thompson from our team, he bought one of these, and he told us that he bought some kind of special cabling or some company was offering uh, some kind of adapter that was different than the original one. And I think that was how Steve was going to manage the risk of it. I'll have to ask him what, what he thinks about this. Okay, I'm going to take this next one, David, right from you. Precision Sim Engineering shows me what I'm going to spend my money on next. I mean, take my money. I love this thing. They've shown us an exclusive look of what they call their Pro Switch panel. This will become available today, June 23rd, or tomorrow, June 23rd. If you go to their Instagram, they have several different uh, posts up with photos of this thing. Now, I'm going to describe it for the audio listeners. It is a button box. It's small. It's super thin. It looks like it's one inch or thinner, maybe. Uh, square kind of buttons push buttons, uh, very much like a stream deck look, but they're not like little video screens. They're actual stickers on a, on, on a colored, uh, you know, backlit, uh, button. There's two knobs at the bottom, like a volume knobs, uh, very small, very straightforward. I don't see where it plugs in. The plug-in must come off the back. Uh, but I like the low profile. I like how thin it is. I like how they pre-labeled the buttons with the most appropriate things that you could possibly want. Uh, that's always the biggest thing is trying to decide what the buttons are. It looks like they're deciding for us what they should be. Um, I love it. Um, pretty cool. No idea on price. Well, you said it. You got to buy it regardless. Yeah, I, I'm going to get it probably. I mean, I've always been wanting to get something from Precision Sim Engineering. Their products are high-end, and, and this is this button box looks very high-end to me. All right, well, you probably heard our challenges with, with uh, getting TeamSpeak working correctly on Lawrence's computer, but we actually are all, have all run into an issue with it, and that's that TeamSpeak has lost push-to-talk functionality on any USB controllers. Um, a team discovered our TeamSpeak user discovered rather abruptly with his programmed HOTUS. That's something that has to do with flight sims that they were all completely not working with 3.6, um, and we, it's not working on our button boxes or steering steering wheels either. So we've had to. I, ne I never updated, and several of us had to find old uh, install installation files to roll back. And it might even mean if they don't get this problem fixed quickly, we may end up switching over to Discord. We'll, we'll see. So this makes a lot of sense. So I started off, obviously, you guys have had TeamSpeak well before me. 
but um, I built all my button boxes myself. And I've noticed every time I went to go and set the push to talk on my button boxes I built, it would not recognize the controller. It wanted me to use the keyboard. And uh, then Mike put this in the thread a couple, couple days ago, and it just makes sense. I must have a, a newer version than you guys do because I, I designed these button boxes to work with TeamSpeak, the volume controls, all that stuff, but they don't work. I have to use the keyboard or, or mouse. Yeah, this was annoying as heck. And I had updated my TeamSpeak software like it wanted me to. Every time you open it, it asked. So I said, okay, sure. And as soon as I did, uh, push to talk no longer works. I did a quick search and found that this is a common problem with the new release. Uh, Bobby found us a, a link to this older software. I did post that in the group chat. And uh, that is the fix. Just install the older software and then don't update. Now, like David said, Will this force our team to move to Discord or some other uh, service? I don't know. I mean, we record the, the podcast in here. Uh, we also talk during racing. You know, that's the key things we're using it for. Um, Discord can do both of those things, apparently. So we're, we're going to entertain it. We've talked about it. But we've been on TeamSpeak from day one. So I don't know if we're ever going to change that. I'm sorry, Mike. Where did Bobby post the link? It was in our regular group app maybe a couple of days ago. I'll have to repost it if I can find it. Version 3.5. Sorry, 3.5.6 yeah, is working. That's what I'm still on because I, I never updated it. So you literally just have to go back to the one version older. Now, is this by design or is this just a, a bad, bad, pro, bad software that they need to fix? You think? It's pretty Who stupid knows? if it's by design. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> The forums that I found this this uh, person who found this problem, uh, he's had no response from what I can see um, about it from anybody in uh, in control over there. So who knows if they're going to fix it or what? All right, back to hardware, Donnie. We've got the Abruzzi XF1. All right, so it's a formula wheel. I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. Nope, sorry, one. TP Sim Racing has a word of warning before you buy the Abruzzi Leex XF1 Pro Wheel. I'm sorry, Mike, did you watch this one? I did. Now, this is our one of our listeners. I think his name's Tim Perry, if I'm right. Sorry if I, I'm wrong, but um, Tim put up a video, I think, last week or the week before that we talked about of this wheel, telling us how much he loved it and he bought it. But uh, that quickly changed. Why? The screw-in connector where the coiled cable goes into the wheel is failing or come loose and intermittent. And he basically can't drive with it because of the, the broken connection. On top of that, he's having a lot of customer service-related issues trying to get it repaired or fixed or dealt with. Um, some you know, bad, you know, com communications breakdown, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, I think Tim was just wanted to make sure to get the word out that, hey, he initially thought this was a good purchase. Now he's having second thoughts. Yeah, when, when you buy something, it's not always, um, you don't always notice how, how good their product support is. And then you don't know how important that is until you need it. So product support is so important for stuff like this because, you know, there's really nowhere else to turn sometimes when you have issues. And uh, to have that kind of kind of uh, um, backup is, is so important. 
and it might be a little neurotic on my end, but that's how I made all my decisions. Uh, when I did my second rig build is I emailed all the companies and see what kind of actual feedback I would get. And I wanted that kind of customer service. Obviously with Lawrence, you get like real personal, um, you know, exchanges when it comes to the products, but even with ASR, I mean, they're great on the, the emails and I just feel comfortable purchasing from, from people like that, knowing that if there's an issue, I'm going to get a response right away. So I want to ask you, Lawrence, you, you've dealt with, you know, uh, creating a formula wheel with a screw on connector and you had to source that connector. You had to figure out, is this thing going to last? Is it going to go intermittent? I mean, what, what, what kind of, was that a, a concern for you? I mean, that's probably my biggest concern on these wheels. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's something that we, we are, we were aware of that about, uh, we didn't release our formula wheel. It's something that we still have, but it's not actually out yet. Um, but one thing when you buy these wheels that have that kind of a connector, uh, is the connector point ends up being the strain on the steering wheel. And there are things that we can do as consumers that, that actually help where the of constraint is at. And so for instance, here, um, what we try to encourage and show people, and it's a great point. I should make a video on this is when the connector comes out, a lot of these wheels have the coiled wire, um, at least for the semi cube. Uh, I can only speak from experience there. It has the pin that goes in the side for the quick release. And what we do is where the coiled wire comes out of the steering wheel, about two coils, uh, we actually coil around that, that pin. And then we allow that wire to go and run to the PC. And the reason why we do that is because when the user is turning the steering wheel and they're using it, um, it actually makes the coil on the pin the point of constraint and where um, all the tension is at. But if you don't do that, um, what actually ends up happening is the plug becomes the, the spot where all the um, constraints at, and then it, it, you get a lot of wear on the plug and it's unfortunate. Uh, but that's actually how you start to see that the plugs, uh, prematurely start to wear out. So it's good as, uh, on the user side to just try to be aware of that. And if you have at least at a minimum, the semi cube, you can coil it around, um, the plug or the pin. If you don't have that, another thing that you could do is you could just do a couple of coils already around the shaft of the, um, the direct drive base already. And it just puts some more of the, the stress or the tension, not on the plug, but, um, in a different location. I, I'm definitely aware of how difficult it is to, to make products that work um, well all the time. There's sometimes there's just weird things that happen, but on the other side, it's a bummer to hear when companies don't step up to the plate because it's our job to uh, when things go wrong, it's our job to take care of it, and that's the only way that you'll actually be able to last in this kind of a market anyway. And while we're talking customer service, I just want to reiterate one of the things that that I've loved dealing with Lawrence is the customer service because I've had. I've, I've I almost felt a little bit unlucky, and I wonder if he thinks I abuses his products or something because we had to replace the brake once, and then I had one of my throttle go cylinders dump all the fluid all over my my rig as well, and he, they sent me one right out. Fortunately, I was able to install it and get it fixed, and I've still got the old one right here. Yeah, I mean these things happen, and uh, I'd never shy away from it. Problems happen; they they arise, and truly. It's uh, the only, what we do is we can take the feedback from guys like David and we can just basically see, okay, what is the failure rate on these kind of products? And when it comes time to do revisions, this is how we start to make our decisions. There's 
um, people that have been in with us long enough have seen that we've done revisions on our products. We basically find, okay, is there a weak point? We don't, uh, we don't rewrite the wheel. If there's not a weak point, we're not going to probably change it. But if there are things that are failing, we figure out how to stop it from failing, revise it, and then fix it. The dampers, David's brought it up. He's shown it to me. And he's not the first one. We've had another two or three of them that we've had to do it. So it's a point of where we're like, okay, we find that out. We hear about it. We learn about it. And then what we do is after we learn about it, we make the changes to try to make it better. And that's the only thing you could really do. You're not going to hit it out the park right you know, from the gate, but you got to make the changes to try to make it a little better. But you take care of us when it does happen. You know, you don't make us sit with, do without, which is always great. And if anybody can be a tester, I, I, I race so much that I have rubber marks on my pedals. I could take you a picture of them, and they're covered in rubber now for my shoes. Actually, I want to see that. Please send me a photo of that. Great idea with wrapping the coil around the pin. Uh, I never thought of that. But yeah, strain relief is important, I think, on these things for sure. I saw a plug that uh, uh, I met the guys at Q Control at PRI this past year, and I was able to play with their wheel and kind of see it. And they were telling me a lot of things that they were doing with their wheel, which I really appreciated because they were giving me a lot of knowledge of what we could do with ours. And one thing that I saw that I liked, and I haven't used it, I'm not going to lie, but I did like it was they had a nice magnetic plug on the back of their steering wheel. And it um, seemed to have really good uh, force on the wheel where it wasn't like going to fall off if you just knocked it. You actually had to kind of, you know, twist it in order for it to come off. But it, it seemed like an awesome uh, plug versus the one that, say, we even had on our steering wheel, which was uh, the typical GX, I think it's a GX16, where it, you know, it plugs in and then it twists in. So, yeah. You just got Mike excited. Yeah, that's the wheel I have, the Cube Controls F-Pro. And, and that's probably the best feature is the magnetic connector because I just slap that baby on. I really don't have a strain relief, but I don't need it. Like you said, it's so strong. I mean, uh, if if, the, if I hit a wall and that thing starts spinning the wheel, it'll, it'll, spin, it'll hold on there. It, it won't rip off, but um, I've been very happy with it. That's a great connector. Yeah, and those guys are actually really cool. Everything that I've... Uh, all correspondence. I, I like the cube controls, guys. All right, let's talk results and let's pick up after the off week at Nashville Super Speedway, NIS, NASCAR iRacing Series. I'm running for a championship, boys, and uh, leading the points. I had a 35-point lead going into this race. Got a P9. I extended that by 40 points. I had a pretty good run going, but when we got into the long green flag run, I faded. I was high as third, uh, went down to 12th on the green flag cycle. I was 12th when the cycle started. Uh, was 14th and when the caution finally came out. Uh, it was all short runs from there and I was able to work myself back up to P9. Tom Dryling, he had a, that's who I'm racing for the championship. <laughs> he had a drive-through penalty late for too many incidents. He went down one lap and had a uh, 16 second stop and go. David, that was kind of a mystery because the incident thing is a drive-through penalty. Yeah, I don't know why he had to stop it, 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 unless he, it, it either glitched or he somehow also accidentally passed somebody under yellow or something. 
because he should have he should have only had to drive through. Because the caution came out immediately afterwards, as after he had already gotten in, and if he'd only had the drive through, he would have stayed on the lead lap. All right, you got a P12. Yeah, it should have been a, a top ten, possibly even pushing for top five. I had some bad luck early. I already talked about it. I had to stop because of um, I had to basically wait till the second time to pit. Lost all the track position, but I had worked my way back up over over some of the long runs. Um, and then the, the bad luck just continued. Uh, you saw the replay. Uh, some guy gets turned up in front, and I think he's actually going to save it in the grass. And I don't know if it's lack of experience, but he didn't do a very good job and came flying right back up. And and I might as well have been the tin pin in the bowling alley. Tyler Williamson ran with us. He got wrecked a couple times but finished the race. Justin Pearson, P20. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I raced with you, Mike. When we had that long run, I was quick. I uh, I went from 22nd to I think I ended up Second. passing you. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I was quick with that setup. And then um, I got wrecked at the end, put me around eighth, four laps to go. I had a car. I'm starting to get to the point where I can set up my own car for a short run, a long run, at least a little bit. And I missed the shift. It was all on me. I. I got excited and screwed it up. Yeah, I think uh, I saw you on a restart and you didn't go and everyone just split around you left and right. And I saw you in the mirror going backwards. I'd say there's a lot of terrible things we can do in this next next gen. Missing a shift is, uh, man, it hits you right in the gut. All right. Uh, Thursday open, I ran again. I got wrecked out. I was running along... uh, about seventh on lap 20 and and they wrecked in front of me they were three wide and i couldn't figure it out and uh they wrecked the whole field it was eight minutes required two minutes optional i i did uh it knocked the whole left front wheel off it was eight minutes damage damage. two minutes uh optional Ah, and uh, i fixed it and ran around finished the race the race david p14 yeah, uh, if if the uh, cautions had fell no, a little bit more my way, I might have done a little bit better. Uh, Lawrence, you're still you're still by the way. All right, hang on a second. Um, sorry about that. Uh, we were we had a late caution with like 79, 80 laps to go. I didn't think I could get that far. A few guys topped off. I knew they were going to make it, but I didn't think the leaders were going to top off. It was top split. Somehow, even running the fastest pace, Garrett Maine saved enough fuel and, and won the race. So I might have gotten 10th or 12th. Um, but at least this time I didn't get, you know, 10 uh, pinned. All right. I ran a bunch of other stuff. Uh, hosted Chris McGuire, DW12 at Michigan, wrecked out. Daytona Prototype at Michigan, finished P3 on that one. 87s at Talladega, wrecked out. Then the Gen 5 at Talladega. Wow, that's my favorite combo. Gridded it up on the back stretch for the very first time. Very cool. So remember, that's something they changed recently. You don't have to do an entire lap. Uh, before the green flag, they uh, grid you up on the back stretch. It's a half lap until green. Uh, anyway, I came from the back up to P2. We had to do a splash and go. I ended up sliding through my box, so I finished eight. Donnie Spiker, you ran Outland Park P2. 
Yeah, so I wasn't here last week, um, but I'm committing myself to a sports car series uh, this season just to get better at the road. So I'm running the Falcon Tire Sports Car Challenge and the D GT4 uh, fixed. Um, Alton Park was last week. The only reason I kept it on here is um, I'm building my own sets for it. I'm not uh, using a setup builder and I've podiumed all my races last week. Um, so it's super exciting. Uh, Walkland's Glen is to come, and I think we have IMSA Michelin Pilot this Saturday morning as well. So those are going to be all the sets I've built. Uh, participated in the Ringmeister, my first laps are on that track uh, with the GT3 Mercedes. Um, pretty crazy. I had an 18th, a 25th, and 11th, and I wanted to try out the new dirt model. And so I want to. Um, I got the pole at USA, won the race at the, uh, the dirt street stock race. So that's kind of cool. I haven't won a dirt race before. Uh, heck, I haven't never qualified on pole either, but uh, I don't know the difference. I don't run enough dirt to know the difference. I just, I was faster. I don't know why. Ringmeister? Ringmeister. Ringmeister was fun, but it was, uh, I ran it in the unusual times of the day that I normally run. I usually run after eight o'clock west coast time and i kind of got my feel for the people i ran it during the day and i had a lot of people i wasn't familiar with but they ran it like they've never ran a race before so they would wreck and they would just keep rolling across the track or they would do a lot of unsafe joints so i'm hoping it gets better going forward all right and then dirt street stock winner did i not say any of this or was on my finger on the wrong button oh <laughs> did i did i david i I think he, I don't remember you talking about the dirt street stock. Well, oh, hi, dang. I did? Okay, good. My right. bad. I won that one. Qualified We're sleeping here. <laughs> well, I'm always looking ahead to see what else I need to say. So, but yeah, you're having better luck than me. You're right. That brings us to final thoughts then. Brian McCubbin. Right, so, uh, yeah, um, not a whole lot going on. I was out a lot last weekend. No, uh, no league races, so I didn't really get much time in. Um, but, but the last two races I was in, my um, I racing has crashed on me, and um, so um, I changed a couple of things. I changed the cable on my headset because I know the v HP Reverb headset uh, has had issues, and it still did it. I shut down all of my peripherals, and it still did it. So um, I was just going like step by step, find out what you know, what fixed it and, uh, nothing did. So I did a full uninstall and reinstall iRacing so far, knock on wood, it's working. Okay. So, um, I think, uh, I think it was just an issue where I had something going on in the files. So, um, got it back up. Hopefully it works out well. Um, we'll be racing, uh, OBRL Sunday night again, and hopefully we won't have any more problems like that. You know, the download and install of iRacing has never been the same since we left the website. I mean, when we did the major update just recently, I think I had to, like, do it, like, literally hit download and install, like, two or three times to get it to finish. Like, it's never just perfect for me anyway. All right, David Hall, final thoughts. I want better luck. End of line. You need it. Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. Uh, not much. That week off was great. Um, did a lot of road racing. Um, yeah, learning, building your own sets, at least for me, uh, on the roadside, it's making me learn more about the cars than I would have just, you know, running a fixed set or whatever. And it's, and then in turn, you learn more about the track because you, you're running lap after lap after lap. But uh, so I'm actually been excited about my progress there. Um, excited for Nashville. I'll probably run tomorrow night. Haven't ran any laps on the track yet. Um, 
my boy ran the 12 o'clock race today and he was running top five. So that gives me hope that it won't be terrible. Um, but in that, it's nice to see Lawrence on board today. We've been trying to get you in here for a couple of weeks, but uh, looking forward to Nashville this weekend. Maybe I'll run another dirt race this weekend. Maybe we'll see how that goes. Hey, if you're winning, stack them up, man. Justin Pearson, final thoughts. I don't got too much going on. I'm excited to be back in the groove racing again. I took a, I think I haven't sat in my sim rig for three weeks, at least two. And um, yeah, I'm going to try to jump in this NIS race, try to get a good finish. All right, go get it. All right, Lawrence uh, from Sim Coaches. Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, what are your final thoughts? I just want to say thank you uh, to all you guys for always supporting us. You guys really do have uh, our back. And uh, thanks for inviting me back on the show again. This is always a ton of fun. And uh, to, the, to the listeners and the viewers, guys that are watching this, uh, thanks for tuning in, listening to this entire thing. Hopefully you got some value out of this. Uh, if there's anything that I can do for you, you know, to help in any way, again, feel free to text me, number 702-246-2295, and I'll do uh, whatever I can to answer any of those questions and give you some help. Right, awesome. Yeah, my final thoughts, uh, wow, NASCAR championship, is it really within my grasp? I don't know. I mean, I've been doing this for so many years. I can't believe I'm leading the points. I can't believe I'm actually extending that lead over Tom Dryling, who I know is faster than me, who I know has a higher I rating than me, and he's going to he's gonna hit some luck here. But, man, I'm going to keep padding it for all I can, and, and I'm going to dig, dig, dig. Um, so, hey, if you see me on the track, I'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.